Live from the Finley Toyota Studios, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Thursday. Adam Candy is here. What's up, Candy? Buddy, it's Thursday. It means we're one day closer to Friday. Let's do this. Yes. And just a couple days left of the summer. I won't say doldrums because I enjoyed the summer of sports talk, but football's back. Week zero, college football, ready to go. Lots of NFL stuff to get to today. And, of course, we will hit on throughout the show more of the reaction to the blockbuster John Fisher, A's owner, interview by the local paper. Wow, that went over well in lots of places, including here on the ground in Las Vegas. So that's coming up. Demond is here, steering the ship. Um, I On the way in, uh, never read while I'm driving, but uh, just happened to see uh, Vic Tafer, the Athletics, send out a story saying, Raiders have no plans to move. Josh Jacobs, that's what Raiders Brass is saying. Um, aggregator NFL rums. Raiders have reportedly declined any talks for Josh Jacobs. Dolphins were the team that inquired about him. Um, I'm feeling pretty good now in saying this. I'll give it a week. Let's see if Josh Jacobs is still on this roster in a week. Things get real quiet and lots of denials around Las Vegas with the Raiders, and they've only been here a short time with this organization. When they say someone isn't on the move, I get real leery and I don't understand why this is being dragged out so far, Candy. So am I way off here, or your uh, spidey sense is starting to feel like maybe Josh Jacobs won't be with the Raiders? Uh, and I'll add to this, but uh, there's a lot going on in the trade market right now with running backs. But with Josh Jacobs, what do you think? I wish I had any idea what the Raiders felt like their overall plan was because that would tell me what they're going to do with Josh Jacobs, right? If we thought this team for sure – was willing to say, no, 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 we are all in this year. Like We definitely think we can win. Then I would say there's no chance they're trading Josh Jacobs because they're a better team with him on the field. But I also don't think I've seen the signs from this Raiders organization that they're definitely in on winning this year because they didn't upgrade to that level. So if they're not, then they should be looking for draft capital. The thing, Steve, that makes it tough for me to believe is that with Jonathan Taylor still out there, can you really get a market going with both of them at the same time? Yes. Yes, you can. This is actually the oh, perfect. There it is. I, there I think it is. There it, it is. I, I think it's the perfect time because as people are kicking the tires on Jonathan Taylor and setting up what the deal could be for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, why can't the Raiders swoop in and go, hey, what do you think about Josh Jacobs for something similar? Or maybe we get a little bit more. How about that? Oh, you could, but I think it's just as likely they come on the other side and say, "Yeah, you know, why would I give you a want to give you a fourth round pick for Josh Jacobs when I can give them a sixth for Jonathan Taylor?" Because Jacobs keep pl- driving farther and farther down. Because Jacobs plays, Josh Jacobs plays, and right now there's durability issues with Jonathan Taylor. And I'll say this: I think Josh Jacobs has been pretty good outside of you know hitting a couple of pops here and there um, on Twitter. Beyond that, he really hasn't spoken, and Taylor's behavior has been a little more, not outlandish, but outspoken. There's been a little more anger. Now, here's a, he also is in a unique situation as compared to the Raiders because Raiders brass really does, for the most part, keep quiet when the guy you're dealing with t- basically tells you and Jim Irsay that we really don't need you 
that would irk a lot of people. I don't know. I just think uh, Jacobs is a safer bet. I think he's a better back. I think he's more durable. So we'll build on this. I, I believe that he could be traded here in the next six or seven days. Yeah, we got to talk about the durability thing because I, I think if we're going to talk durability, Josh Jacobs ain't the guy you want uh, to use as the counter example of, but this guy is available because Josh Jacobs has had significant and recurring injury issues. He does play, though. There's there's being hurt and there's you know really being injured. He does play. Jonathan Taylor has gone 15, 17, and 11 in his three seasons. I'll take that for durability. Yeah, he's also not ready for the beginning of the season, is he? So that's another problem here is that you could be bringing a guy. Well, uh, that, 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 isn't that part that of the is, question, though? That is that, part of the That's mix. part of the question. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, I think Jacobs is more valuable. Um, we'll get back to this in the 5 o'clock hour because there's a lot going on right now with NFL running backs. So we refrained yesterday from completely flipping out. Uh, our buddy Justin Watkins was co-hosting yesterday, and you know he's not super happy with the way this whole deal went down with the A's and Major League Baseball and Las Vegas and Clark County and the state. So we've we've tried to kind of back off, which I guess maybe is weak sauce when it comes to sports talk radio, but I really don't want to sit here and bitch and kvetch every day about how much I dislike so many elements of this thing. Again, from the A's all the way up to uh, your guy, Bobby. John Fisher does a couple interviews yesterday. He does it with uh, NBC uh, Local with a guy named Raj, and... He did an interview with the RJ, and Mick Akers has kind of been the A's guy here in town for the longest time. Um, I saw Larry Beal, former ESPN you know, national guy, sports center guy. He's been back in San Fran forever on ABC7. He was cra- kind of cracking on the fact that Fisher picked a couple of soft landing spots to do the interviews. There's so many places to start here. I, I got to tell you, um, and we started to hit on it at the end of the show yesterday, I just, to me, all conversations start with N- um, M- MLB ownership when they start talking about the money they're losing, I just I, I can't see anything else as very believable in the rest of the conversation. How did you take his tone? Because I thought it was bizarro. If you're only going to do a few interviews, shouldn't you be over-the-top, positive, hopeful, selling the team to your new market instead of basically doing and using the same material you've used for years with the market you're leaving, we're supposed to be the savior here. Why Why would we care about all your problems? I don't want to hear that. We just gave $380 million, and it's going to go a billion plus for the A's on the back end with tax benefits. You're, you're, are you basically telling us you're coming into a brand new market, which, by the way, there might be five teams looking to move in addition to expansion teams. There could be seven opportunities. And this is what we're being sold? I don't understand the approach here. Well, you're doing a good job of of backing off and leaving it alone, Cofield. I I can feel that uh, energy coming from you right now. But I get it. I I get it because you can't have read this interview and thought anything other than, I don't really like this guy. And not that I care about getting a baseball team and liking the person who brings it here. But I don't get the purpose of this interview, and I don't get why it gets done right now. The only reason you go out there right now and you do an interview in which you come to the people of Las Vegas who have just given you $380 million and talk about how you're losing money and this is such tough enterprise, the only reason you do it is if you're still trying to convince the rest of the owners mm-hmm. that this is a good move. Because 
there's only one approval that you have left to get here, right? The, only, the A's have submitted their application to Major League Baseball, and the relocation committee is looking at whether or not they should be allowed to move. Doesn't this smack of desperation, doesn't this scream that the A's don't think they have the votes? Because otherwise, why in the world are you out here talking to us and telling us things about losing money? We don't care. We don't care. Yeah. Are, you, are you bringing the team or not? That's it. The, the deal's done. Whether you liked it or not, the deal is done unless you really think that the teacher's petition is going somewhere. I mean, is this a request for more money? Because it sort of sounded like that as well. Yeah, I saw one of the A's content creators, and there, there's some really good people commenting over the last four or five months on what we did here, what's happened there over the years. And uh, one of them said, kind of along the lines of what you just said, something must not be going well for John Fisher or whoever wrote the answers. I, I think he actually did the interview. Um, the fact that Fisher is finally breaking his silence. When things go his way, it's behind closed doors. When things don't go well, he and Cavill crawl out into the light and say, say whatever they need to say lie, uh, to get their way. Do you get that sense that there's there's something happening here? They're getting some pushback. Um, that all said, I don't in the interview. I don't know who he would have instilled confidence in. Like this would actually upset and annoy me as another owner. Like, bruh, we just let you negotiate with one of the hottest markets out there. You got a hell of a deal, and you're still talking about basically being a struggling owner. What? Anyone remember Bill Foley doing that when the NHL awarded a team here and Foley got Las Vegas? Does anyone expect LeBron and whoever the billionaires are that own the LeBrons when they come to Vegas? Do we expect some negative thing like it's all going to be on your shoulders, fans? If you want a winning team, you got to get it done. It's bizarre. The interview was strange. Candy, like I said, I try to refrain and only do this in like four or five minute stints because otherwise both of our heads are going to blow off. And we're going to say stuff that we're going to regret, Candy, so I'm protecting all of us. Up next, we completely go in a different direction. Another Raiders opponent preview. We'll talk to uh, one of the dudes who covers the Chargers. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, let's do it. Another Raiders opponent preview. This one in the division. Two meetings against the Chargers. It's been a bitter rivalry for decades and decades. I don't know, Candy. I don't know if uh, right now these teams are headed in different directions. We were just hashing out in the opening block what the Raiders are going to do this year and if they actually want Josh Jacobs back or if they could trade him in the next week. Which brings us to you know another team with a running back situation, but they seem to have smoothed it over, the Chargers. And Joe Reedy works for the AP, covers the Chargers. Joe, it's Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Um, are you getting a little bit of a flashback when you see, uh, especially the situation with a running back like Jonathan Taylor, who was given permission to go and seek out a deal to kind of what the, the Chargers wound up doing with Eckler and what Eckler couldn't get done? Yeah, a little bit, but I think we've seen over the years with running backs, this is a this is a situation that has kind of repeated itself. You know, different year, same result. I think the thing with this year is that so many running backs are uh, franchise tag or final year deals that the market is kind of flooded right now, and. There were a lot of salary cap decisions that had to be made, too, with Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook and 
I think Kareem Hunt is still out there, so it's it's kind of a uh, situation of a glut of running backs at the moment, but in a market where running backs are not valued as much as other positions. Let's put it this way. When you get the, get the franchise tag figures, the only ones being paid less than running backs at the moment on the tag are uh, hunters and place kickers. Has Eckler mentioned it at all? Any more frustrations, or has it been pretty much smooth sailing? Let's get to work here in fall camp. No, smooth sailing. Let's get to work. It, new offensive coordinator that wants to stress the running game. He's coming off a season where fifth running back to have over 100 catches in a season. They upped his contract so that he's making $8 million this year. So if he wants more, whether it's with the Chargers down the line or with another team, this is a go-out-and-prove-it type year. What are the Chargers expecting in the change from Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, more aggression in the, in the passing game. I don't think that it'll be conservative, short. It'll be a little bit more middle to deep shots. I think the wide receivers will be varied more. It's not just Mike Williams as the, as the deep guy. I think Keenan Allen we may see on a little bit more deeper routes. They drafted Quinn Johnson that'll help out in terms of that. And then, you know, you've got Mike again, not only short on, uh, Yards after the catch, but middle and middle and uh, deep routes too. He's kind of shown at Clemson and throughout his career, everything he can do with the running game. I expect him to run it more, but it'll be more of a downhill style instead of uh, trying to run outside and wait for blocks and everything to happen. This is just get the ball one cut and uh, go and uh, try to get as many yards as you can. So you mentioned the throwing the ball down the field more. We know that Justin Herbert was dealing with multiple injuries last year. Uh, obviously ready to go now. He's got his new contract. Everything is set. Was he limited in some way by those injuries last year? Or, or really was it just more of the that's how Joe Lombardi's scheme was? It was more, more conservative and less aggressive. I think a lot of it was more the scheme, more, more conservative, less aggressive. The play calling at times, it seems like this this team had the second biggest differential between run and pass plays. It's almost like Joe Lombardi knew that a run play was going to go wrong when he called it, and that made the uh, explanation to uh, pass it more, even though Brandon Staley wanted more consistency and a little more variety played to the running game. But... Uh, that's why they, that's why they went to tell more. You look at last year's second biggest discrepancy between run and pass plays, and I think Kellen has shown over the years with uh, the many different uh, players that he had at Dallas: running back, receivers, tight ends, certainly that offensive line. And uh, you know, with the quarterbacks, <coughs> excuse me, it seemed like uh, Dak would always get injured at some time during the year, and there would be a backup or somebody else to bring up the speed. So. It, when you look at quarterbacks that have had success or what variants of success in Dallas' system, it's not just Dak, but Andy Dalton, uh, Cooper Rush last year, and the uh, many different guys that they had to get up and running. When it comes to aggression, has Brandon Staley been asked about how aggressive is he going to be on fourth downs this coming season? Not yet. I think that... um, 
don't expect him to shy away much in terms of that. He's a he's a uh, mostly play the numbers type guy, but he did show the first year after the first year in the league there were some things that made more sense to him as far as this is what you uh, this is what you should do in this situation when maybe the spreadsheet says something, but uh, the mind and uh, rationality. Uh, play something else so i do expect him to like i said go mostly spreadsheet but there will be times when he overrules that kel moore i don't know how much in the the analytics he was in dallas (laughs) so it's interesting to see how both will be able to mesh with that then when it comes to the big receivers that the chargers have how will they keep those guys healthy because i know they want to exploit those mismatches but those receivers just haven't been healthy in the past and who do they add in this year's draft I think that uh, they haven't played most of them during the preseason. That certainly helps, but I also think, too, Mike Williams usually gets injured sometime during training camp. That hasn't happened this year. Uh, Keenan Allen looks healthy. Quinn Johnson, I think the biggest concern now is not health, but kind of the drops and mental lapses, which is standard among among the rookies. I think the one guy to keep an eye on because he he hasn't practiced yet. He's still on the uh, pup list. It's Jalen Guyton, who could be another deep threat. But uh, when he comes back right now, it's beyond anybody's guess. And you know, Eckler's been fairly healthy. If they can get a second running back to take some some of the load off, I think that'll help, especially late in the season. And the, the tight ends, Gerald Everett, has always been good at getting yards after the catch. Joe Reed is with Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. We're doing a Chargers preview. We'll get to uh, some of the betting numbers here in a second. On the defensive side of the ball, J.C. Jackson, all good physically. And, uh, you know, I think there's also some things to work on mentally because I think people forget that before he got hurt last year, he was struggling a little bit uh, with the mental side of things. Yeah, and I think, I think J.C. is more comfortable with the playbook. And, and the one thing, too, is, here was a guy who thrived in a in a man coverage situation in New England, and the Chargers mostly play zone. Um, do they go man a little bit more because you had, you signed one of the top man cornerbacks in the league in J.C. Jackson? I think that'll be wait and see. I think that he's still battling a little bit with. Um, Getting back up to speed, whether he'll be ready by the opener, I think we'll still have to wait and see, but I but I would expect a bounce back uh, year from him. He knows mentally it wasn't the best year for him, and certainly getting injured didn't help, but uh, I do expect him to bounce back, and I think quarterback still is maybe a little bit of a question with J.C. and uh, Asante Samuel. He, he, Samuel has the ability to get interceptions, but his coverage skills at time have been inconsistent. So we'll kind of wait and see how it goes. Joe, let's go through uh, some betting numbers here. Uh, what do you think? Nine and a half over under on the win total? They're going to go over. There's actually a higher price on the over. I would I would go under. Um, I I still think with the schedule, it's still with the questions about the defense. There's there's still there's still a lot to be seen. I I kind of have them right now in that seven to nine win range. Mm, okay, all right, conservative on that one. Uh, so then I guess Justin Herbert as the fifth choice in the MVP race is a little little too aggressive. Huh? Just nine to one on Herbert to be the MVP. 
Yeah, I think I think those numbers are maybe lower than what I thought they would be. But uh, I think also when you got Kansas City in the division and with a conference as loaded in quarterbacks as the AFC, he's certainly done good with the 300-yard games and yardage. But how do you out Mahomes, Mahomes when we talk about the MVP race? Joe, we appreciate the time. We'll uh, we'll see you out here in Vegas in December. Thank you. No problem. Take care. There he is, Joe Reedy. AP covers the Chargers. Uh, Raiders will play week four at the Chargers in L.A. That is a Sunday game. They bounce back with a Thursday tilt late in the season, week 15, Thursday here. Uh, you surprised he's – he sounded like he's kind of not way under, but pretty comfy going under on the nine and a half. No, I'm not surprised at all because of the strength of the schedule that the Chargers face. I mean, this is one of the five hardest schedules in the NFL, according to Warren Sharp's analysis and so three of those uh five top schedules come in the afc west and so you understand the strength of who else is in the division i think you also look at the chargers and at some point you got to say prove it to me when it comes to this offense because uh, we've mentioned the health we've mentioned the the troubles that joe lombardi had and getting to 10 wins is gonna be a challenge with what they have in front of them yeah, I'm a little worried on uh, defense stopping the run. I don't know if J.C. Jackson will be all the way back. Uh, the Quentin Johnston thing, if Adam Hill is listening somewhere, I'm sure he's smiling ear to ear, uh, not rooting against the kid, but maybe he is. Uh, when Joe Reedy said concentration and drops, uh, that was one of the things when we were comparing uh, Quentin Johnston and Trey Flowers. You know, Flowers is a burner at 5'9", 5'10". Uh, the TCU receiver Johnston is gigantic, but there were concerns about his hands, so... That ain't good. That is not going to keep you on the field. If if you're dropping Justin Herbert passes and they've got other options, you are not going to be out there. No, based on what we've heard, he's fourth on the depth chart, right? Uh, Right now, when they go three receiver sets, it looks like Josh Palmer is their preferred option there. And again, with this receiving core, uh, DeMond mentioned it. Keenan Allen, you didn't see till week 11 last year. And that made Mike Williams the durable one. And if Mike <laughs> Williams is the durable one in your receiving core, you got issues. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Boy, if you've been listening every day to Cofield and Company the last uh, week or so, the same zeal has not been there except for me, uh, when it comes to hard knocks, because I've been going crazy, a little over-the-top candy about my guy Aaron Rodgers, always been my guy, don't ever uh, challenge me on that, loved him from the beginning of his career. Um, but the energy from a lot of other people on the show has waned a bit. Did you watch this week's episode of Hard Knocks, Candy? Oh, oh no, I no, I have not. No, sir. Wait a no, second. no, what? no. I, I figured you could bring all the energy for that. Oh, really? Okay. See what I mean? We're, we're losing steam on this. And I'm hearing more and more, like even from our buddy uh, and super fan jet dude, Brandon Tierney on WFAN in New York. He used to live out here in Vegas. Saw him tweet out yesterday, last night's episode was boring. And this is what Adam Hill, who is a Hard Knocks devotee, I am as well, we were kind of warned about this, that the Jets would – have a lot of control in this thing. Uh, the first bad sign was, oh, Robert Sala doesn't love to have the cameras around when they announce the cuts. Well, that's too bad. That's part of the show. And frankly, during the show, I don't feel – I mean, listen, I understand and I love the man, right? 
Uh, he is like a, a an uncle to me, um, even though he's younger. Um, he's a mentor. I understand Aaron Rodgers is going to be featured, but one of the cool things about the show was the young guy features and the drama of are they going to make the team or not? Hell, we just had John Harbaugh yesterday lecturing all of us in media what it's like to work and try to survive in your job. Thanks, John. Needed that needed that speech. You're the expert, right? Of course. <laughs> I won't even get into Harbaugh and his family background. But there are some paths we can go down where I'm like, we have to stop. But anyway, that, that I think that taken, I, DeMond's like, where are you going? You're, you're losing it. That was an aspect going into this. Like you, you can't take away introing the young guys and the dramatic uh, dramatics of someone making the team or not. That is part of the show. And now they're doing so much on Rodgers and so much on the veterans. We're losing a little bit. The other thing is, I don't need to see Zach Wilson anymore. Okay, if he if he has to play, they're in trouble. I'm going to trust you. I've seen enough. Hopefully, he grows. I don't need to see it tracked every friggin' episode. So. You watched it. You watched it too. Damon is still on it, and he had like 14 notes. And I liked the stuff that you pulled out here because I, I, the talent show had to come back stronger than it did in episode two. The rookie talent show was abysmal. I actually think there should have been cut. Salah at that moment should have <laughs> said, you know what? We don't have to cut you right now, but we're going to get out. That, that's a bad the talent show. Sucked your idea. You're out. The PowerPoint was that bad. I hate it. the PowerPoint. And who was it again? It was uh, it was a Michael Hardman who was just like flipping out about the yes. PowerPoint. I was I was with Hardman. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like I don't know who came up with this one, but who? Some guy got up there and what was he doing? Eight mile. Was that the was that the uh, rap the f- was that the rap challenge against Papa Doc? Yeah, that was the final battle. Nice. You want to hear it? Uh, Eminem. Do we have? Do we beep it out? Yeah, I, I got some good parts. I got the best parts. Okay. You know, it's funny, every time I thought he was going to stop, he kept going. It was like four minutes long. I'm like, bro, we get it. Uh, Jerome Cap was the uh, wide receiver um, who, the white. Mm-hmm. Can only a white rep? Is there a territorial thing here? Could we have had an African-American rookie do it? Uh, not, just or or is the, this like more accurate because he had the hood on, he looked kind of menacing? Wouldn't it hit the same, you know? You know I don't think it would have. I couldn't be B-Rabbit, you know? But what was his name again? <laughs> why can't why? That's, that's right. That's right. It was uh, Jerome Cap. Jerome Cap? Hey. Yeah. He did a good job. We should, we, man. Yeah, this is what, his name, you wouldn't know. Candy, this is what you're missing. Are you excited? My God, uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not excited at all. I, I feel so much better about the way I've used my time other than watching that. Uh, hey, Mile didn't do it for you? Have you seen the movie? Did you like the movie? I, are, you, are you kidding? Look at me. Every, every skinny white guy in America is, is <laughs> legally required to make sure they have some knowledge of 8 Mile, some knowledge of the Marshall Mathers catalog. Yes, I, I understand what we're okay. talking about. I'm just telling you that, that that clip didn't exactly do it for me. But yeah. he did the whole He did the whole, he did the whole thing. It was, the it, whole song, It man. was good. It was good. Uh, listen, uh, l- listen, as someone who has impressed multiple groups of people with – freestyles from digital underground and and similar in the the past like i i understand i understand i I understand when something comes from an unexpected source when you get the full humpty dance when you weren't expecting it 
right? Like, yeah, it, it can blow a crowd away. I see Cofield. I understand the Cofield well, Cofield shocked. I'm not gonna. I'm no, not gonna know. violate ASCAP right now. I'm not gonna violate copyright and give you the whole thing. I'm not, do, I'm not doing it for you right now. I had no idea. I'm not doing it for you. I'm the, just telling you I know what's up. The funny thing is the uh, the number one choice of the other Adam on the show is also Digital Underground. So maybe we'll have to have a showdown at some point at a karaoke joint. But like many other things that we talk about on the show, it never comes together. So uh, that rap showdown will happen sometime around the uh, Greg Salerno battle on the basketball court. Can't wait for that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you can't because you can beat him easily. We did more research on DeMond and his basketball background. Um, one other thing real quick. I mean, it's pretty obvious that uh, Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, give some guys jobs. They're not going to do anything. Just uh, bring over some Packers. They're not going to do anything this year, but we'll just get them paid. Was, Rand- it, was it not Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb. He's living my dream. He looks like a glorified assistant coach where he's just there to say, this is how Aaron likes it, guys. And then, but he's getting the feature of like, I, I, thought my, I, thought our, I thought both of our careers were over when we left the field together. It's like, oh, but we're going to, we're going to New York. I want to be that guy. To be a hanger-on, that's got to be one of the best jobs in any industry. I wonder if Corey Davis looked like heard Randall Cobb, saw the way he was behaving, and he's like, you know what? After this, I quit. I'm retiring. This is bullcrap. I got no shot. You got a guy in the roster who's just like Rogers' assistant, active assistant. Didn't he say he's like, oh, we were both gonna, we thought we were both gonna retire yeah. after last year. Like, okay, why are you back? You would think he's also 40, 33. He's had his fill. Football can be rough. <laughs> It'll age you. Fam, by the way, families can be rough. They'll age you too. So, I think Randall Cobb is very much in dad mode, and uh, he's fine being Aaron Rodgers' off the field assistant. Because I don't think if he plays a lot. The Jets are in trouble. I don't think Geno Smith is ever going to hold the trophy up, but I think Seattle's got the coach. They're too young, in my opinion, to win a Super Bowl, but I do think they can win a division in multiple playoff games. I don't see Geno holding up the AFC Championship, you know, trophy over a Mahomes or a Burrow. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield and Company. All right. What do we do? What do we do, Candy? We take uh, Colin to the woodshed again because uh, his copywriters aren't paying attention. Colin's saying there, and I think it's a minor mistake, but that uh, Geno Smith probably won't be holding up the AFC trophy ahead of Mahomes and Burrow. Forgivable, uh, forgivable mistake or uh, not because of the mistake he made a couple of weeks ago with Dwayne Haskins. What do you think? Uh, and we can – Add that to the mistake of not knowing that you can't trade draft picks in baseball. Yeah, yeah. It's been a rough run for Colin here over the last few weeks. Yeah. Xavier Pope is in. Xavier, uh, I know you were down with uh, cracking on the whole Dwayne Haskins things with with uh, Colin. Did you see hey, this one? On yeah, yeah, good. He's on a roll now. Uh-huh. Is he? <laughs> well, we all make mistakes. I will say the further you get away from kind of doing daily prep and really paying attention, those mistakes pop up a little more often. We've seen it happen to Stephen A. Smith. Uh, when you're on TV, or in this case, kind of radio TV, and you stretch yourself a little too thin, things will slip through. Yeah, everyone's ent- entitled to their mistakes. Uh, I think the, the issue with someone like Colin Calhoun or Stephen A. is that they, they come off so strong on the points that they make uh, to come off so strong and be so incredibly wrong, that's where, that's where, that's where they fall into the trap. Yeah. And so uh, if you're shooting from the hip and you're coming out and saying things and you sound like you meant it from the, 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 the bottom of your soul and it's absolutely incorrect or un, uh, not properly sourced, 
that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. You set yourself up if you're going to smash athletes to be smashed when you make any sort of mistake, big or little. Let me read you a lead from the New York Post at the beginning of the week, and this has to do with the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, one of the writers at the Post said, Devastating news, Lizzo, the dangerously obese female rapper who checks most of the genre's requisite boxes from vulgar N-word lyrics to sexually explicit dumpster-scooped rhyming, has reportedly been removed from consideration for the halftime show at the Super Bowl. A little over the top in the uh, crushing of Lizzo, or does she also deserve it a bit with these allegations of workplace misconduct? Mention the workplace misconduct. Uh, I, I, you know, don't don't mention her, her, her how, how she looks. Right. Uh, I think it's disgusting. And I, I, I think for and you also have to consider what Lizzo meant to people who actually cared about her and were shocked about the allegations. Yeah. And that she represented a certain group of women who wanted to see themselves as beautiful, no matter what size they were. So when you say stuff like that, you're basically criticizing all the people who who like Lizzo for the right reasons. Yeah, uh, the same writer got on uh, Snoop's lyrics a couple of years ago, and uh, let's see, Rihanna, who fulfilled her tacit terms of entertaining America's annual largest audience by toying with her crotch and then smelling her fingers. So uh, Phil Mushnick in the post is very worked up about hip hop and the lyrics, and uh, Rihanna's not exactly hip hop. This is, I will tell you, the, uh, this is going back with this dude probably to about eighty-five. So he's been on this for about forty years. Yeah, I mean, bigots gonna bigot, right? Um, anti women gonna anti women. I mean, it seems like his target is black women. Uh, sorry, someone turned you down in college. You didn't think you were that cool, my brother. But uh, uh, late, it's just disgusting that someone like that could be on be part of the journalistic establishment for so long without getting getting the boot. Uh, this so this is interesting. Where the Super Bowl halftime show may go. Uh, Cofield and Company, of course, the only person in the world who mentioned this. Early in the week, we were talking about potential boy bands being the halftime show. Um, I mentioned that Harry Styles could be a choice. Uh, by the middle of the week, some people were calling him the favorite. If Lizzo and Harry Styles are on the list, I still feel like, aside from the music, there's some sort of theme or effect, like a shock value effect that the organizers are trying to have by having these performers up there. Am I wrong? I think you're wrong, Steve. I think that the Super Bowl halftime show is pretty much about A-list artists uh, to be put in the mix. I don't think that Lizzo ever would have probably pro- actually performed. Right. She may, have been, she may have been in consideration, but I don't think Lizzo is an A-list performer. I mean, a lot of people know who she is, but think about who's performed before. The Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Prince. Bruno Mars, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. These were huge. Taylor Swift. These are the biggest stars in the world. So you're saying Harry Styles. Harry Styles has more streams than anybody except for Drake. Uh, so, ah. I mean, that's, that's as big as it gets. Okay. I thought you might say Harry Styles wasn't big enough. I actually threw out that I, I believe it should be – I like Harry Styles, but it should be a boy band reunion, and then the capper is Britney Spears as the headliner. Britney Spears wouldn't get near her halftime show with the NFL at, at this point. I think her time is definitely past. Uh, but cry me a river, especially if it connects with Dustin Timberlake, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, no? All right. Um, boy bands mentioned. Sync. recently New Kids on the Block, Backstreet Boys. I don't know if this is a boy band, but Color Me Bad. Um, are you interested in any that I just mentioned? Well, you mentioned Color uh, Me Bad too. 
Cody Bad is toast, number one. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, by the, by the way, Timberlake, he's by, toast. By the way, why, one of those t- why do you say Call Me Bad is toast? They have two hit songs. They don't have enough yeah. time. They don't have any, enough songs. That's all you need. You come out and do your two songs. Nah, nah, you you got you to gotta come up. You got to come out, come out of the box with like a good five or six songs. Remember, remember, in the Super Bowl halftime show, you're playing your, all your big hits that everyone knows yeah. for about 30 seconds at a time. You're switching from one song to another song. Yeah. It's just not enough songs. Bring Eminem out. Why not? Okay. Um, someone else on Cofield and Company will get very insulted on this one. One of the boy bands that was mentioned to participate was Boys to Men. I think we've had this discussion before. Boy band or not? I mean, Boys to Men was they, they considered themselves as a boy band when they came out. Motown Philly was considered basically a black boy band type of deal uh, when they first came out as a harmonizing group. Um, but their time also has passed. I don't think that they are relevant enough to come out and sing songs. Plus, one of them are they aren't there anymore. He passed away. So, I don't think I, I, I don't the boy band thinks they, I don't. Where are you getting this from? It's not going to happen. I think you're going to have one singular person that's extremely famous. I think your idea about Harry Styles is great. Did he be one One Direction a One Direction a reunion? Now okay. that's what I could see more happening than anything else. Well, I'm getting the boy band thing from a guy named Craig Carton who used to do radio in New York, went to jail for fraud, so maybe he's being fraudulent in his reports. Um, And I'm really going with it because it's one of the ideas I've been discussing for a while that this could happen. But the Harry Styles thing sounds like it's it's real. And to circle back on what I said earlier about shock value, um, how do you think a lot of America will feel when Harry Styles comes out in a dress? Uh, I think that a certain segment of the population would lose their mind. Uh, and would say that we're boycotting the NFL only to return like Kid Rock and drink a Bud Light at sure. the stadium. Which, by the way, by the way, did everyone see the, uh, the the screenshot, the image of Kid hanging out last week drinking what? A Bud Light. Bud Light. Yep. <laughs> it's hard to drop. It's a great beer, man. It's a great beer. <laughs> I stuck it out. I. You know what's funny? I uh, where was I? I was at some bar like I was at. I was at some bar last week. Actually, it was in California. And I got a Bud Light, and the guy's like, oh, you're not taking part in the protest? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I am cheap. How much are beers here? Is it the cheapest one? Then, yeah, I'm back. I'm on board. I never left. I'm like, what are we doing here? Stop. Uh, imagine someone that's openly admitting that they're an idiot uh, <laughs> in, in public. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, and also to profile you as if you're a certain type of white guy, uh, it's terrible. Uh, we talked about this last week when we talked about you jumping to the fray. It said, I'm not these guys. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you should be getting profiled anywhere, Steve. <laughs> I have a certain look. Uh, actually, the guy said, neither am I. So he was just, uh, but, I, but as soon as he said it, I'm like, what are we doing here? I just want to drink a beer and it's cheap. Leave me alone. Um, let's go to the NBA because I know uh, DeMond's been all over this one with James Harden speaking out against Daryl Morey and his gamer Pope is with us, uh, attorney and cultural contributor out of Chicago. Um Harden called Daryl Morey a liar. The league said it was going to look into it. He got fined $100,000 for calling someone a liar. Am I missing something here? Are you like he asked for a trade? He called someone a liar. That's a fine? Yeah, I, I think that the, the, NF, I mean, the NBA PA should probably look into this. Uh, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out what did he violate by call, saying something about it, uh, a, a management. This isn't the first time a player has said something about management before. He's not talking about referees, not talking during the game. He's in a completely different country, a completely different part of the world, and he can talk about his private business as much as he, much as he wants. But like I said last week, Steve, 
When you call someone a liar, that's one of the worst insults you can call someone. I guarantee Daryl Moore was, Moore was right at the league's office saying you have to make them pay. But $100,000 to James Harden uh, is a drop in a bucket. I don't think he's going to miss the money, um, but I do think he should probably appeal that, that fine. What if James Harden was to go Citizen Kane here and say, I can afford to lose $100,000 this year, next year, keep the fines coming because I can afford to lose the money? What would the NBA have to do there if he says, I'll keep, I'll keep taking the fines and keep calling him a liar? <laughs> oh, well, well, if you're punished by, the, by, the, by any sports league, uh, if any repeated offenses lead to more serious uh, ramifications. Uh, we saw that with John Moran earlier this year. I know it's a completely different set of circumstances, but he still did keep uh, do something that, that resulted in a steep, steeper penalty. And so I think that you can't just come out and say, I'm going to repeat this action over and over again and then expect the same, same punishment. It's Cofield and Company. Xavier Pope is here with us on this Thursday. Joins us every Thursday. Um, I don't think you got to see it. I sent you a video with the lane splitting, and uh, it, there are little different rules with the motorcycles in, in multiple states. And one of our guys that we like, uh, Matt Gork, who was on one – of uh, the big cooking shows on TV, showed a video of a bike splitting lanes, but it also had, like, the side carriages on it, and one of the cars didn't see it, so it freaking veered over a little bit and smashed the freaking bike in between. I've never understood how lane splitting by motorcycles is legal in any state. It seems to me to be extremely dangerous. It does seem extremely dangerous. And also, you have to consider some of the passing rules that are on the, on the street. So that's you're pretty much violating all of that, uh, in terms of riding the lane. so uh, But then again, you're riding a motorcycle, Steve. Yeah. You're not getting into that to be safe. <laughs> uh, that's a good point, I guess. I don't know. I, I guess when you get it, you're taking some risks out there. Seems a little crazy yeah. to me. Hey, last one. Uh, I know DeMond wanted to talk about this. Um, what, what's going to happen here in this Alec Baldwin firearm case where uh, – the motion to dismiss in the case was denied. You remember the whole deal with uh, Alec Baldwin? Yep. And so, what should happen in that case? Well, traditionally, if you're in a criminal matter, uh, motions to dismiss, dismiss typically are tossed out because it has to take some overwhelming um, evidence to show that there isn't a case to be brought. Right. So, um, as this is going I mean, this is going to go to the fullest extent. It's just this is something that is routinely routinely brought by defense counsel. Uh, just a, it's a it's a step in the process. It really is a non sequitur. Okay, we got a couple. Oh, you cut out there. We got a couple seconds left. Um, Reggie Bush defamation USC, not USC, but NCAA. Can he win this? He absolutely can because uh, because of the nature of those facts. Uh, what was said about him just flat out wasn't true. Um, and what was it does to advance to harm his reputation? That remains to be seen in terms of that case, though. Xavier, we appreciate it. Have a good weekend and uh, try to stay cool. And I guess don't celebrate too much that the White Sox finally said to their brass, you guys got to go. About time. Thanks, guys. Love you. There you go. Come on, Candy. Step up. Nothing? It's going to leave him hanging? Oh, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I'm good. I'm good here. The only thing I had to to add to the conversation was that you walking into a bar and anyone not being able to look at Whatever hat you've chosen that day, and realize you are going to order the cheapest thing on the menu yes. is a moron. Like they need, they need to understand where you shop for your hats, which yeah. is going to tell them which drink you're going to order. Yeah, we were joking about uh, Aaron Rodgers' hat that he was wearing on Hard Knocks. What was it again? Cherish the little things. And I told Demond yesterday that I had ordered seven of them, and everyone called me on it. And I'm like, all right, you're right. 
I will get seven of them when they hit the swap meet in North Las Vegas, and they're all $3 a piece.